Yeah, brother, start cleaning those tires up. Great to shine. Remember, they fan out down there. So protect them bottom. Sunday drive. All right, well, Face cars off. Be ready. Yeah, brother, be ready. Gas that bitch up. Be ready, ready. Green flag. Green, green. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Inside Pass. It is Monday if you're listening to us live, either through PMN or through Race Chaser Online. Another Monday night. Lots of uh, stuff to talk about. Hopefully these two don't fight because I'm in the <laughs> middle and I don't want to get punched in the face. Um, I'm Randy Miller, Tom Baker what sitting... What are you talking about? I'll, I'll get to that in a minute. And Tom Baker is sitting over <laughs> to my left. Peter Strutt is over in Summon's seat and... Some guy named Noah decided to join us tonight after uh, conspicuously okay. being absent last week. <laughs> I might be absent next week. Well, I'm sure too. you probably will. It's I'll be a, coming back a, from Homestead. <laughs> I'm just going to mark it on the calendar so that we know where every to find you. Week. Every <laughs> other week, you'll be here. And, you know, Sundays. It's uh, like a modern day Johnny Carson. He gets Monday nights off. How in the world? <laughs> we got to bring Jay Leno he, in as his permanent guest oh host. He works two nights a week for our for our race chaser programming and can only be here for one of the yeah, two nights. That's amazing. I don't understand how that works. But anyway. You know. Um, we got lots of stuff to talk about. I, I do. I, I want to start by uh, kind of breaking down the, the the weekend's races. We'll get to the the, con- the I guess the controversial part of it um, in a Which little one? bit. Well, I'm in as a whole, <laughs> but but yes, we can pick out individual ones. It's not like there's a lack of things to talk about that were controversial in any of the three races, but. Be that as it may, um, two first-time winners uh, this weekend, uh, Ty Gibbs in the Xfinity side and Christopher Bell in the Cup side. Um, thoughts, guys? Peter, we'll start with you. Ty Gibbs was certainly the mo- more impressive of the two, in my opinion, because this was his, fir- his first National Series start, period, and he honestly made history being the first to win in his Xfinity debut without any prior Cup start, truck start, or anything, and... He's the first driver since Johnny Rutherford all the way back in 1963 to win in his NASCAR National Series debut, which I thought was more than impressive. I even asked Noah on Saturday pre-race, how do you think Ty Gibbs is going to do? We both agreed, like, back half the top 10, maybe top 15. So just the way he held off Austin Sendrick late there was just blew me away. Tom? Okay, so here's the stat of the week. Two first-time winners on the Daytona road course. Two former LFR racers, two members of JGR. Okay, and and this is what's interesting about this is, well, let me let me actually, I got to say that better. Two, uh, uh, two first-time winners this year who raced for LFR, McDowell and, 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 uh, <clears throat> and now um, Chris Bell, um, and two JGR wins this weekend Toyota is off to a flying start mm-hmm. right now but not with not with the guys that you'd expected but in the end I think we're still talking about Ford because of course you know you got McDowell um getting the win and then coming back for a nice finish at Daytona but this really I feel like this season this this last couple of weeks Randy puts us in a situation to say you know what we have no idea what's going to happen the rest of the year here going forward because I think there's some sneaky good teams right now. And that's a good thing to have is not knowing they what's going to happen from week mm-hmm. to week. Yeah. But mm-hmm. another interesting stat, too, is this is the first time since, I think, 1950 that we've had two uh, back-to-back first-time winners. To open cup. the season. To open yep. the season, yeah. 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 yeah, it goes back to, like, 1950. And, like and it was the first few years. It was the first two seasons of there you go. 1949 yeah. and 1950. Yeah. So that yeah. wasn't hard to do but <laughs> in the well, first two seasons. No. But um, but nevertheless, yeah, great. I, I totally was blown away by Ty Gibbs. And it, and the thing about Ty Gibbs winning, uh, winning this weekend is that 
it wasn't like he came out of nowhere and then won the race. He was up there probably the second fastest or fastest car um, all day long. Same thing we saw with Eric Jones. Eric Jones had a had a bullet of a car. Um, so when Chase Elliott had issues, he was even coming before that, and uh, and he capitalized on that. So two um, two well deserved wins I think this weekend. And uh, and Ty Gibbs, man, it, that that shocked me for sure. Well, when we talk about controversy, I mean, I guess you guys can pick out whatever controversy you want to pick out of the weekend. There's not that there's a lack of things to choose from. Um, but I will pick the one on Saturday with the Xfinity Series uh, race uh, coming down to the line for the end of stage one. Austin Cindric and uh, AJ Allmendinger had mm. a little tanglement uh, the, that pretty much ended AJ's day. Austin, um, you know, went on to, to uh, he got a, a top five finish, right? Out of it, top 10 finish out of it. So, yeah, second place finish out of it. Was so, um, <laughs> well, I, I, it was top five, right? Um, but anyway, <laughs> in any event, um, it, it started a, a huge firestorm uh, on Twitter. We have our own uh, kind of like personal Twitter chat that we, we usually, uh, you know, discuss things during the race and stuff. Um, and it kind of got out of hand, and I had to back away from it for a little bit because I, I didn't want to play referee to this because I felt, you know, in the heat of the moment, when we got to Monday, we were going to have a really, like a, a smackdown. And um, <laughs> I called The Rock. He's not available, unfortunately. But he taught me to people's elbow. So I am available. They're holding us back in the to, studio. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm available to, to lay the smackdown on somebody if I have to. But nonetheless, um, I want to get you guys' thoughts because everybody has a different opinion about what they saw during that race, whether it was you know on purpose, on accident, you know it could have happened, should have had a should have shouldn't have happened, whatever. Um, so, Peter, what what is your take? Because you didn't really say much; it was mainly these two um, <laughs> with me kind of you know taking shots here and there. But what is your take on the situation? My take was it was two guys racing for an all important playoff bonus point. We saw with Kevin Harvick last fall at Martinsville how important one bonus point is in the playoffs. And they were racing for the stage win. Yeah, AJ came down two, three, three and a half lanes to try to block Cindric to get to the line out of that last chicane, which may or may not have been the smartest move at that point. I think he still would have won if they'd have just drag raced the line. But ultimately, AJ threw a high-risk block and he paid for it and Cindric ended up getting the stage win and that bonus point and who knows at one point may get him back to Phoenix. Cindric clearly did not have the line not even close um he was only up to the quarter he wasn't even close to having having that line he should have backed out it was a case of two drivers being bullheaded um and and not not giving an inch and it ended up Fortunately for Cindric, he was able to get back, you know, and and finish up front, but it killed AJ's day. So, I mean, I understand that we, you know, we fight for playoff points, but again, um, you know, you got to use your head and remember that if it ultimately this is a 30 plus race schedule. So, you know, you need to get to the end of a race and try to win the race. AJ probably didn't even really have time to realize that Cindric was there before he he was setting up for for that to make that that sweeping corner um Austin was just way out of out of line there and 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 just tried to to dive into a place where there was no space mm. for him to dive into yeah what you what what you said right there of he should have backed out is something that I thought about you know ever since we ever since this happened because in a situation where, let's say, you know, AJ and Cindric had a, you know, 10 second or, you know, like a, a tenth of a second lead or whatever, if there were, you know, three or four yeah. or five guys yeah. trying to get the stage win, I could understand Cindric not wanting to back down, not wanting to risk losing another position. 
But these guys had a five-second lead on mm-hmm. third place. He could have backed off and just let AJ. I, I say let AJ win the stage. Mm-hmm. I, I know you're race car drivers. You're not supposed to do that. But at the end it's of the day, patience. Right, it's patience. Right. Yeah, it, it, exactly. It's patience. Yes, he would have lost a stage a stage win or whatever. It's but one it's, point. Right, which I, I get what Peter's saying, too. One point could be a huge difference. There's 27 more races to make that point right. up. You don't exactly. need to do it on the second race of the season. All right, I'm ready. I'm fired up now. Hold um, on. No, I see Murdoch, and he's shaking his head over there. I, I agree with you, Murdoch. Uh, AJ threw a humdinger. All right, that you've got to expect it when you're coming down <laughs> to a stage. Because but I'm AJ washed up. He came all the way up to the wall. Give that a bell just because yes. it was funny. <laughs> a humding, right? Yeah. Uh, no, but AJ <laughs> came on. AJ came all the way out. Can that you hit corner. the buzzer? He's, he's taking too many li- <laughs> liberties. You know, um, trying too hard. Give them an right, inch and they take right. a mile. Um, but AJ came off the corner and he allowed Cindric to get underneath there. When Cindric put his nose there, they were on racing surface, and AJ continued it, to come down. Um, even AJ said it he, on the radio. He said, guys, I shouldn't have done that. I'm sorry about that. I, that was my, well, you because know. he, he, yes, that is true. That's why I said it's two guys being bullheaded. But if you look at where Cindric's car was, you, you have to be up to the guy's door so he can see that you're there. I mean, that was, well, then what are spotters a, what, for? Yeah. What are spotters for? By the time, yeah, but see, here's what people don't realize. By the time a guy makes a move underneath and the spotter says, looking lower inside quarter and the driver hears it, then reacts to it. It's about five seconds. I would believe that if it didn't take him 10 seconds to wreck. Exactly. Well, it, the, he the, kept the, coming down. He still kept, because what AJ I think was thinking is that he could push him down enough to where Austin may back out or Austin or they would kind of ruffle each other all the way to the line and he'd edge him. I think that's what he thought because AJ gave him the line. Cindric had a gap. AJ didn't he give did, him anything. He did. He came tight off he that corner. He didn't give him anything. And that's what the, he took it that's away. That's what AJ said. He, he, he apologized to his it, team it, for making it, such a move. Yeah. You have to expect that at the end of a stage. If Neither you are, one of them should have. If you are that close. That shouldn't have happened. That was two drivers have. being stupid. I was shocked when you said that because I thought for sure you would that we all <laughs> kind of agreed that AJ made a terrible judgment call to start coming down. I feel like if it was a situation where, you know, Brandon Brown or somebody, you know, would have been trying to win the stage, it would have been, you know, maybe it would have been justified if, if you know, well, see, if he yeah. was been, if he would have been in Cindric's way and Cindric just ran him over because he was slower than he was. But these are two drivers that have been in this business for a long, long time and know everything, everything there is to know about road course racing. But I... I come back at you with this. You said, you know, patience, he'll get another playoff point. How many points did Kevin Harvick miss going to the Final Four away the last season? One point. That's that one point. That one point matters a lot, and if you see the opportunity to go for that one point, you're going to go for it. Yes. If if you miss by one point, Noah, and I said this about Harvick, you didn't deserve to be in there, period. End of discussion. It was a stupid move on both of their parts. They both ended up with wrecked race cars in the beginning stage of a race when neither one of them had to. I also want to point out that uh, Cindric still got stage points because, you know, he finished. Yeah. Yeah, Exactly. He did. If we would have been talking about the end of the race then yes but the end of stage one i mean you're you're going to give an opportunity especially when you had the do- dominant car all day long anyway you probably would have gained all that points back and then some you don't sure. need that's why i kind of tried at aj so. for the disaster there because cinder got to his inside and aj coming Barely. down is what caused it i mean but he was there 
Spotters you know, should have said so. And, and by it the same token, spotters, you know, Cedric Spotters should have said something to him about knowing that AJ was on the verge right. of going There's, into the there grass. There wasn't enough just, time. Those know. guys are going almost 200 miles an hour at that point. There's not a, by the time the spotter called it and they reacted, it was over. Drift back up the racetrack a little bit instead of yeah, running AJ into the grass. You know, but anyway, whatever. Yeah, it was. It was. It <laughs> so was you see how our, our Twitter chat went. I, I rest my case. <laughs> Done. All right, we're going to take a break. We'll be back. We'll, we'll start our roundtable discussion officially when we come back from break. This is the Inside Pass on WSSC. Back in a minute. Do you love the sound of high-revving motors and the smell of burning rubber? Do you want to get your car sideways right at the ragged edge of control? If you've always wanted to try drifting or learn to improve your drifting skills, Summit Point Motorsports Park, the Mid-Atlantic's premier motorsports facility, has the expert instructors and the specialized track to teach you how to drift and the skills necessary to drift competitively. From skid pad to open sessions, Summit Point Motorsports Park has the safe and open environment that allows drifters of all skill levels new to intermediate to get sideways and smoking with a focus on safety and the skill set necessary to drift competitively summit point motorsports parks drift nirvana is just the thing for you call for your reservation today 304-725-8444 or for more information go online summitpoint-raceway.com or you can email them at office at bsrinc.com drift nirvana getting you sideways the right way Victory Custom Trailers is the place to go for your next new or used trailer or coach. Being personally involved in the racing community allows Victory to fully understand what racers need in a trailer. They have over 200 coaches and trailers in stock for a variety of industries, and they can serve anyone in the continental U.S. If you're looking for something custom, they can assist in designing a trailer to fit your needs. Check out their entire inventory online at victorycustomtrailers.com. I'm Andrew Saul, Commissioner of Social Security. Beware of telephone scammers pretending to be government employees. Real Social Security employees will never threaten you. Call is threatening you with arrest or other legal action and demanding money are not from us. If you receive a call like this, hang up. Do not provide them with any form of payment or information. Report the call at oig.ssa. What an awesome game. What's up with your car? I don't know. It won't start. How are we getting home? Chill. My parents signed me up for the roadside assistance from Lewis Meineke. It was free with my oil change. They'd come and get the car started or get us home and tow the car to the shop. Good to know. With my driving, my parents never know what to expect. When you join the Meineke Car Care Club with a $35 preferred service, you get four free months of roadside assistance, including tire change, battery jump, lockout service, towing, and more. Contact Lewis Meineke, located on Route 1, or call 827-2054. When do you think of a plumber? Like most people, even if it's an emergency, you can be confident about who will arrive to help you. For quality and reliability, count on someone you can trust. Call on the plumbing services of Hague Quality Water of Maryland. Plumbing doesn't have to be an emergency. We handle all kinds of preventative maintenance, too. Hague Quality Water of Maryland is family-owned here in Annapolis since 1993. For a refreshing choice, call us at 888-84-WATER or visit us online. Hello, race fans. This is Chris Rice. Thanks for listening to these guys. Some great radio hosts. You're listening to the FI Pass. You know, if it proves how happy 
Chris Rice is all this all the time. Yeah, even after they had that wreck and, and they, oh. they were on pit road doing <laughs> oh damage. Oh my gosh! Yeah. I have never seen somebody. I have, for that. I have never seen somebody cuss so much with their with yeah, their mannerisms without actually saying a word. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like you know we there's there's you know <laughs> we're on TV right now you know whatever. Yeah. I, I can't say what I want to say, but not that he would ever do it anyways. Well, but just what got me about that is when they threw to him in TV on TV for his little interview there. He was directing the team on how to fix the car. Like they're sitting in the yeah. box and he's like, We need to get a radiator bar, you know, somebody hold that up. And then they're like, Chris Rice, you got copy? He's like, Hey, yeah, how y'all doing? <laughs> yeah. He's like, no. It's like the whole team must have been looking at him like, What do we do next? You know? That, but that shows you how the motivational guy that he is. Because yeah. he's never he's always positive and never negative. He never looks at things in a negative light and, and you know, it's 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 a cool thing to have over a colleague. And and I think that's what makes the whole organization so so well-rounded and grounded mm-hmm. is the fact that they have him to rely on all the time. So yeah. um, we'll give you guys a fantasy update. I really don't want to, but we will uh, later on in the show. But uh, we're going to do round number one of our official roundtable discussion. So we're going to turn it over to uh, Chris, who's going to get question number one going. And we'll start, I guess we'll start with Peter and go counterclockwise. All right. So what is the bigger deal from the weekend? Was it Chase's streak ending, which I thought was, what, four in a row? Yeah, four. He got up to, or Bell's first win, Peter? I mean, Chase was still arguably the best car in the race. He won the stage. He led up until the rain caution late. So it's not like he flopped on the road course. I'd still consider it a very strong day for him. I think Bell's first win can open the floodgates because we saw last year that Joe Gibbs Racing 20 car was out to launch. They weren't even a factor for the playoffs, and now they're in on week two. So now they can pursue aggressive strategy all season, all summer long, and go after more wins, and I think more wins will come for Bell. So which one was bigger? I'd say Bell's win. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think I'm going to go the the same route there with with. Be- Did I go out alone? No, it's, it's fine. This is your show now. We're, go we're ahead. used no, to no. you cutting in the line. No, sorry. I saw my name written second. He shows up here every <laughs> other week and <laughs> just thinks he can take, take talk over. Whatever he wants. The rules just change on a daily on a oh, weekly no. basis. Okay. Wait. No, Tom. You go. You go. <laughs> it was Bell's first win because here's it, it, first of all the, the idea that it came this this quickly into his uh, journey with with uh, Joe Gibbs Racing sets the tone that okay this isn't going to be 2020 for Chris he's there he's arrived he's got to win on a road course no less mm-hmm. um, and you know now you say okay. What, where else can he win? This is not a guy that you consider to be a big threat on the road course. He's in the playoffs, as Peter said. Now they can just work on more wins, and it's a beautiful place to be for him this quickly into his first full year at JGR, I think. Adding to Tom's point, the, the TV crew said that that was the last place they thought Bell would get his first win, so yeah. now we're going to go. That's true. Yeah. You, you know the best thing about uh, Chase's streak ending? He gets to start over again. Yeah, he gets. <laughs> well, but the thing I think what we saw, though, in all fairness, on Sunday is there's some real competition there this is. year. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. There, there's a lot for, of competition. For road courses. I don't really think that that Bell winning on a road course is really that surprising, though, because he did really good on the Xfinity Series races that he had. Well, on he road did, courses, but you so. got a lot less. You know, road course competency. They're, but it's still it's still experience, though. Yes, I mean, you're agreed. still getting yeah. seat time in the I don't car. Disagree. So I don't. I, I just, mean, he's that talented. I don't think it's that much you know, That's true. It, I mean, you know, your first win typically doesn't come yeah. in a road course race, yeah. but if it's going to come, I mean, if you're going to get the first one out of, out of the way, you might as well do it on a road course, and then, you know, you have the rest of the season. He basically to, to ran that, flawlessly, so. too. Chase Elliott yeah. did not have his uh-huh. best performance. And, and nothing Sunday nothing against that, Eric you know. Jones, but I'm I'm glad to see the 20 car up front and running, you know, running for wins again. Mm-hmm. Not not that Eric yeah. wasn't, but I mean, you know, the fact that he was able to do that. Right. So. Oh, 
You okay. may proceed now. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, no, that is that's everything copy paste there from Tom. I mean, look, Christopher Bell. We talked about you don't usually get your first win at a road course. Well, who else did get their first win at a road course? Chase Elliott. So uh, you look here, and and we may have a, a contender at road courses now on. And think about this move: Adam Stevens leaves Kyle Busch, heads to Christopher Bell already back in victory lane how do you think kyle felt after seeing his crew chief go to victory lane before he did i mean kyle went in the clash but but nevertheless big big deal for christopher bell i would credit him for that most definitely he was getting faster at the end of the year uh last season and uh and i knew that we'd see good things from him and i think moving him over to that home stable is going to be really good for gibbs I kind of want to piggyback off of that, if I may, Randy. I don't want to be like Noah and, and take over the show. <laughs> well, technically, Gosh. if we're going in circles, it's your turn anyway. Well, I'm going to get negative. I think Bell's uh, win is definitely more important than Chase's streak ending. But to piggyback off of what Noah said, Adam Stevens coming over to the mm. 20 team, uh, we saw that Bell worked really well with Ratcliffe and that whole Xfinity bunch. I think adding that to uh, – Adding Stevens to, to Bell's camp is only going to further his fast track to, you know, wins. It's more important to everybody except for Chase Elliott. Yeah. yeah. It's a chase. And that, it's way more important that he lost. That's the whole 18 team, right? That yeah, was that was the, the entire 18 yeah, team. Yeah, that was the whole 18 team. So, man, that's got Kyle teams. had yeah. to feel some sort of bittersweetness. He's got a championship yeah. caliber team, yeah. literally. Mm-hmm. So, we move on to uh, Joe Gibbs and talk about the Xfinity race and Ty Dillon. Uh, what was more impressive about Ty's win? His, uh, winning in his first start or doing it on the road course, Peter? I think he's been a competent road racer. We saw it last year on the Daytona road course in the ARCA series where he and Michael Self are battling that race tooth and nail down to the wire for the win. I think Ty winning in his first National Series start, like I said last segment, is very impressive. We had not seen that done since the Daytona 500 qualifying race in 1963, and that's not something I'd ever thought we'd see again. So I think Ty's historic winning in his first National Series appearance trumps him doing it on a road course. I'm going off the page here. The most impressive part of Ty winning his first race was that in the post-race interview, he actually humbled himself on camera and said, I did a terrible interview last week and I want to apologize for it. Um, That to me was the most impressive because he had had that totally disastrous interview after uh, the Lucas Oil 200 Arca race at Daytona. And then uh, again, him humbling himself and and just making sure that um, he put that out there. I, I think what, what he did on Saturday, I mean, he, he used every inch of the course and a couple of uh, feet of the grass, but he wasn't the only one doing it. That was just a free-for-all, and he made it work. So it was really impressive to see him win on, on the road course. And, uh, um, you know, there's no doubt of his talent. He's just got to grow into the part. And, and once he does that, Ty's going to have a long career in the sport. He's got to grow, period. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> See, I can't. <laughs> I would be the pot calling the kettle black. So. You know, for, for, for me, if you if you go back to the last several He's years, taller than me. You go back to the last several years of the, of the Xfinity series, and the competition level was was immaculate. You had you know uh, Chase Briscoe, and you had Cole Custer, and you had yeah. Tyler Reddick, and you know all yeah. these guys that have now gone on to the Cup series. 
this year we don't have the same. No, we we do have Allgaier, we have Cendric, we have some of the other guys now. But the the amount of competition right off the bat isn't as clear cut as it has been in recent years. So you have the opportunity to go out there and show what you can do with a little bit of a less competition right off the bat because it's still taking some of these guys that are getting into the Xfinity Series for the first year or you know getting into new rides for the first time. Um, running a, a relatively still new road course race that, that, that they're not used to running on. Yeah. So you, you have all these elements that are different this year than they were the last several years. And so, you know, it, a guy like Ty, Dillon, or Ty, Ty Gibbs coming in there and, and being able to win that race isn't that far-fetched when you think that the competition level this year isn't what it was. Yeah, and Tom, I love, I love the point you just made about him humbling himself and us being able yes. to see that. Um, seeing a different side of Ty Gibbs. I know right when he crossed the line, I thought, man, does he think it's a real racetrack now? You know, he did He did apologize um, within well, the this week. This is the road course. Remember? Yes, this is the different configuration. Um, but, no, to see that other side of, of Ty Gibbs, it was, it was very good. And I think that if Ty can hone in that personality he has, he has a lot of it we've seen, um, then he can become someone like a Kyle Busch in our sports. That, you know, he has a lot of personality. Well, <laughs> bad example, but well, I get where you're going. I mean, a Kyle Bush now, like Kyle, Kyle has grown a lot over the years to where, um, you know, he still has some upset moments, um, but he's it, it doesn't come off completely cocky as as he used to. And I think if Ty can hone that in, he'll have a lot of that personality. And I think people will start liking him a lot more. I think it is worth noting that Ty Gibbs was the first driver to win his first Xfinity Series start. Uh, that hadn't already made a cup start. So yeah, he wow. was the mm-hmm. first driver to do that. Yeah. That's right. So that's crazy. Moving on, are you surprised by Ben Rhodes' early success? For Ben, I am because it had been before his Darlington win last year. It had been over two years since his last career win. But for that team, like we've said before, it's the former '98 team who made the championship four last year. So in that respect, I'm not surprised he went two for two. I was surprised to see him win on the road course because I know Ben can drive road course as well, but it's hard to go back to back like that. And I think what that shows you is that this is a team that collectively with Ben now is going to be a force to be reckoned with the rest of the year in the truck series. Um, Man, I mean, he made that exciting at the end. You know, what surprises me the most is the fact that if you go back to last year, he was an aggressive driver last year and and Mm -hmm. didn't really do a whole lot by being aggressive. This year, it seems like he's made some some strides to calm down a little bit more, yep. and he's got two wins you know, right off the bat. So I think it helps to calm down a little bit and not be so aggressive on the racetrack. Yeah, certainly. Ben has been in a position over the last few seasons where he gets kind of deep to mid in the season, and they start worrying. It's, it's kind of a worry on if they'll make the postseason, and I think that this will help Ben's mentality and drive – 1,000% because he knows he's locked in. Now there are two wins in, and I think that the team yeah. confidence for that group is going to be at an all-time high. He's going to be a force to be reckoned with, like you said. I don't think we have enough time in this break to fit in another long discussion because we're coming up on about 30 seconds left. So I'll throw in true. real quick that yeah. I think when you talk about roads, I think you look at exactly what Randy said. He styled it down a notch these first two mm-hmm. races. Now he's got the team and he knows he's got the ability so he could win three or four more before the end of the oh, year yeah. he has because a- he's he's that type of driver that will get on a streak and go. I've seen it before. He mm-hmm. hasn't angered Christian Eckes yet. 
<laughs> he's beating he's been beating him every week yeah. so uh, when you're out in front and there's nobody to make mad because there's nobody around you you yeah. just dart off and go off on your own thing so that's ben's underlying desire make sure he stays ahead of christian hey <laughs> whatever whatever, whatever, whatever motivates you yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> whatever motivates you to, to be out front. Love it. if you're out in front nobody's gonna hurt you right, we're gonna take a break we'll be back more of the inside pass <laughs> round number two coming up next we'll be back right after this how to be a great dad in 15 seconds Bike ride, go fish, walk in the park, phone call, milkshake, play catch, picnic, fly a kite, tell jokes, laugh, talk, read a story, tell a story, bumper car, swing set, bowling, pillow fight, cut loose, stay tight. Because the smallest moments can have the biggest impact on a child's life. Take time to be a dad today. Call 877-4DAD-411 or visit fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. Automotive technicians and auto service trainees, how would you like to work at the beach and perform for one of the best car care centers in the nation? Lewis Meineke is now looking for skilled automotive technicians to join their award-winning team. If you're a gearhead that knows his or her stuff or a young up-and-comer that has the motivation and drive to succeed, then you need to make this call today. 302-827-2054. Lewis Meineke Car Care Center, located in beautiful Lewis, Delaware, offers a highly competitive compensation plan, great benefits, a flexible schedule, and did we mention that you're going to be working at the beach? Plus, there's a signing bonus for the right candidates. Technicians must be ASE certified and have a minimum of six years' experience. Beginners advance at your own pace in one of several entry-level positions. But whatever you do, don't wait. These jobs will go fast. Call Tim at 302-827-2054. That's 302-827-2054. Lewis Meineke Car Care Center. Rev up your career. You hear that? That's the sound of America's only sports car. That's right. It's a Corvette. But not just any Corvette. It's your Corvette. It's that who cares if there's traffic part of your day. And this can be you when you come to Cooper Corvettes. With 60 years of Corvettes to choose from, there's always a Corvette in your budget. And they'll service any Corvette you bring in. Cooper Corvettes. On Route 1 just north of Quantico and Triangle. Call, click, or visit coopercorvettes.com. Victory Custom Trailers is the place to go for your next new or used trailer or coach. Being personally involved in the racing community allows Victory to fully understand what racers need in a trailer. They have over 200 coaches and trailers in stock for a variety of industries, and they can serve anyone in the continental U.S. If you're looking for something custom, they can assist in designing a trailer to fit your needs. Check out their entire inventory online at victorycustomtrailers.com. He wanted to be known for doing his best. His best made him Major League Baseball's most valuable player. He played in six World Series and was elected to the Hall of Fame. Although an honest man, he was best at stealing holes. But the best quality of Jackie Robinson's life was his character. So here's to you, Mr. Robinson. Thanks for passing it on from the Foundation for a Better Life at values.com. I'm Chase Elliott, and you're listening to the Inside Pass. Since Noah's going to be conspicuously absent again uh, next week, we'll do our, our fantasy picks a little bit later on. That way we can get them out of the way in case everybody goes AWOL for the rest of the week. Speaking of uh, fantasy points, uh, 
man, it changes by the by the day. It seems like, but it's harder now because you're picking all three series. So you actually you have to be almost perfect every single race to not lose points. And so the problem is, is that everybody you know this past weekend picked Chase Elliott and um, Sheldon Creed and AJ Allmendinger or Austin Cindric. So I mean. You, everybody gained a whole lot of points in one race, but then no points in the other race, you know, unless for stage wins and stuff. But um, so it, just to give you an example, Seth was leading before the road course races, and now he's fourth in points because of his picks. I don't remember who everybody picked. I didn't write them all down. But uh, Nick is somehow back on top. I, You know, he's fired. Um, Tom, <laughs> Tom is now second in points. Uh, Noah's third. Uh, Seth is fourth. I'm fifth. Jacob is sixth. Peter sadly is uh, seventh. And Red's got 85 points because every time a Spire car hits the racetrack, he has to get points for it. So um, if if Spire would just fill a couple of trucks on an Xfinity car, he could be the leader uh, just by sheer yeah. number of cars in the field more so than anything else. But um, or when Red comes back, he can make his own picks because you know that happens too. Yeah. Um, so next week um, we've got our 200th uh, episode of the show. Uh, I'm excited about that. Mm-hmm. It's it's been uh, it's been a long 200 shows, but uh, nonetheless, uh, Matt DiBenedetto is going to join us, and so uh, we'll get to talk to him about uh, what's going on over at the Wood Brothers uh, shop, uh, I guess, as they prepare for the the, the sp- you know the spring part of the season or whatever. Um, and then uh, we've got. Uh, Daniel Hemrick coming on. I think the second week of March, we've got uh, Justin Lofton because he's actually going to make an ARCA West start, um, which I'm excited about uh, seeing Lofton back in the uh, in the NASCAR uh, series. So uh, we'll get to talk to him about that. Um, and then, uh, of course, Nick has to be on because he's contractually obligated to join us, uh, even if we don't want him to, but uh, by contract, <laughs> he has to be here. Um, and uh, so that's what's going on in the month of March. All right, so uh, round number two, uh, we have a question from round number one, and then we'll kick off round number two. So go ahead, Chris. All right. Uh, the last question from round number one was, are we already seeing the signs of Kyle Busch having another bad year, Peter? I don't think so yet. It's only week two, and the first race was a super speedway, so you kind of put an asterisk next to that result. And he was running well in the road course until a late tire. I believe he had a flat tire and then a pit road speeding penalty, so that buried his finishing position. But he was up in the top five or top ten all day long, so... I'm not ready to ring the alarm bells yet for the 18 team. Um, I agree with you. I think the the big thing here that we have to remember is, look, we've run two races. One of them was the Daytona 500. Mm-hmm. Kyle won the clash. So it's not that I don't think they can be competitive. I think I think Kyle Busch still wins a couple races this year, gets into the playoffs, and makes a run for it. I think this will be a better year for him. When I typed that question out, I had this vision of, you know, like the race shop and then Adam Stevens walking in with a <laughs> trophy in one hand, a popcorn in the other. <laughs> What's going on over there, huh? What's going on? Going on, I've got my trophy. I I don't know. I mean, you know, maybe as we get a few more races in our belt, and he still hasn't done, you know, anything remotely close, then I, I can say another year of of an unkyle Bush year. But we've got practice and qualifying for a few races this year, so at least he has a chance at least seven times this year. Yeah, Kyle said he wanted some personnel changes from the eight team. Whatever they didn't change ended up working this last weekend. So, um, but no, yeah, I, I I wouldn't be willing to say that it's a sign of a unsuccessful year yet. Like Tom brought up, we've had two crazy um, races, ones that we didn't know what could quite happen. And I think once we get to this weekend in Homestead, plus the 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 combination of that and the new pairing, as Randy throws his phone at my leg, yep, um, yep, well, <laughs> the new pairing of Kyle and Ben Bayshore, um, you know those guys have got to figure each other out. That relationship they've worked together in the past, I think it'll start adding up to success soon. 
Speaking of people who have had success, McDowell backed up his 500 win with a top 10 finish at the road course. Should the other mid-pack teams be taking notice of that 34 car? I think everyone should be taking notice of that 34 car because we've seen Front Row Motorsports take a step forward in just results this past year, year and a half or so because McDowell had that team's best season ever aside from Chris Buescher's Pocono win last year. He fin- He was contending for top 20 in points. He got 23rd in points. I think McDowell had a career-best top 10 last season. And obviously this year he starts off with the Daytona 500 win. So I think that 34 is going to start being more of a contender for top 20s, top 15s at races outside of just road courses and super speedways. He, the big advantage he has, the answer to the question is yes, they should, because he's he's just won the Daytona 500. He's now in the playoffs, mm-hmm. which means that he can have an entirely different race strategy for the rest of the regular season to put himself in track position to go race for more wins and top five finishes. Um, that's the advantage that that early win gives you. I don't know necessarily if the entire front row motorsports team is going to be leaps and bounds better. Um, Remember, you've got a rookie in Anthony Alfredo with with Michael, but I think the 34 car at least is is a top 10 to top 15 team every week now, um, solidly. And again, with the extra boost that they have for being able to strategize a race a little differently, um, you could see more top five finishes out of him on some certain tracks where Michael and I and I do think another super speedway win is certainly possible. Yeah, that's true. So I'm going to answer the question road with, course. with yes, but. Because of two words, confidence and motivation. Um, because sure. you went out and won yeah, the Daytona too. 500, you've got all the confidence in the world, and now you know your team is capable of doing so much more than you know what you've been able to accomplish in the yeah. last several years. And yep. you've got the motivation to go out there and prove that you know Front Row Motorsports is not a start and park team. It's not a mid pack team. It's it's kind of an upper mid pack team. I mean, you know, yeah, they're obviously not going to be able to complete with you know Hendrick or or Joe Gibbs or anything like that. But just from what I saw Sunday. Um, you know, with, with him having, you know, getting that, that great start, you know, front row start or whatever, and then getting into the accident and then coming yeah. all the way back to, to get a top 10 finish is something I don't think that you would have seen that out of Michael McDowell last year or, you know, even the year before that. So that just shows you the turnaround that team has made and the strides it's made since the 500 win. Yeah, that's a great point. I, you know, when, when he had that incident on the first lap, I thought, oh my gosh, well, there goes, you know, from the highs to lows of racing, right? Um, the mid-pack teams should definitely take notice. Do I think that he'll now consistently be a top 10-ish car? I, I'm not sold on that yet. Just because he's really good at, at super speedways, he's really good at road courses, that's what we've seen so far. But I am willing to uh, get closer to being sold on that because, like you guys said, with the mix of strategy they can now pull and the confidence they now have, they can they can take that wherever they want to. It would be a, a good uh, indicator this weekend of how yeah, the team will exactly. do Yep. Having all that confidence and motivation is also compounded by the fact that he's had a couple of new sponsors come on board. That's right. That'll yeah, give that, fun- yep. that team more funding to, to do more Money brings things. happiness. Yes. Not to mention the Daytona 500 purse is a pretty good one. Yeah, it, yeah. And, yep, it pays pretty and good. It pays for years, too. Now, other people this weekend had some unfortunate events. We saw tons of parts being thrown around in the pits due to teams <laughs> rushing to beat the five-minute damage clock. You know, what are your thoughts? How do we fix this problem? You fix the problem by giving the teams more than five or six, I think it's six minutes now, to fix damaged race cars. This rule we saw come about after the Kenseth-Logano feud a couple of years ago in the playoffs, and 
I'll be honest, six minutes isn't enough time to fix damage on some race cars in some instances and have them race ready to go run at 200 miles an hour at some track. So, honestly, I've never been a fan of this rule. I think this page of the rule book should be thrown out. So you're saying eliminate the time limit? Yes. I'm going the opposite way. Take the shot clock and reduce it by half and go to a three-minute clock if you can't fix the car in three minutes park it why why do i say that here's why because if you can't fix it in five you aren't going to fix it in three so you're not again i think you have to you have to legislate this so that teams don't don't have that choice either they can fix the car comfortably or not but either that or you're going to have to start finding teams who litter the racetrack because you know they don't do a thorough enough job fixing the race car it's it's a it's a two-edged sword but i think if you're gonna have a time limit you you can't have this situation so i'm saying actually reduce it yeah i i mean i don't know i kind of agree with peter i i think that the clock was is kind of unnecessary now i mean i, I know why the rule was put into place but especially when you're looking at a situation where which i know we're early in the year but when we get later in the year when you know some of these playoff contenders need the extra you know the extra mm-hmm. points and the extra positions to make the playoffs or make the chase or, you know, get into the next round of the chase, and you're hindering their ability to do that by telling them if you're not fixed and, and ready to be minimum speed in five minutes, you can't race. And that's not fair to those guys that, you know, maybe didn't have, like, they weren't part of the accident or they didn't cause the accident, but they got caught up in somebody else's mess, and now they ruin their chances of a championship because they can't fix their car in five minutes. Yeah, I don't know if it really works. I mean, look, we're still seeing guys uh, rush to get a car ready and then throwing it out on the racetrack to hope to make minimum speed and littering the racetrack because of it. Tom, you brought up a good point. I didn't even think of that. Maybe if we do start saying, well, if you do drop damage, we see that it comes from you, then you will get some sort of other you know, fine. That may be a, a kind of a way to fix that. But in my opinion, it's a scary situation where they're up against a clock and they're, they've got big power tools that they're going at and you know everybody's running around trying trying to do everything all at once. And then you still got guys out there running modified looking cars like Tyler Reddick in the 500 dropping stuff or William Byron's bumper flying off because they didn't have enough time to carefully uh, put that on. And they still met minimum speed, but nevertheless, they still drop stuff. I would be in favor of adding time if it took that. It's the same for everybody regardless, but I think you also have to have some sort of mechanism so that these teams don't feel that they yeah. can get away with rushing and then right. you know so again you know yeah. find them or whatever but it, something's got to be too done. many cautions yeah. being if, caused by this if stuff. you're gonna if you're gonna penalize a team though when you find one of their parts laying on the racetrack that they've dropped then every car on their truck is gonna be black so that there's so I, that's <laughs> not my part I don't know where it came from well we got enough it, cameras around and that's the track. my that's got to be very noticeable. I say I, I think there's there's got to be some other way to do this but remember the clock was put into effect so that teams didn't come out onto the track 50 laps down with a slug yeah you know true. so i mean it's I, a, I don't know like you, that's said, a, like you said it's a double-edged sword it's, a, it's, it's certain it's tracks tough. i don't think it would really matter like a martinsville or bristol right. but if you went to a super speedway you don't want a car running you know half the speed don't tell joey logano else. that with matt kenseth in 2015 though well that's true <laughs> but Driver, i mean but you know, the, yeah yes yeah. <laughs> yeah. that's get, correct you get what you pay for i yeah. guess at that point so <laughs> anyway all right uh end of round number two uh, we'll go to round number three here in uh, just a little bit we are going to step aside Pay some bills, and uh, not Michael McDowell bills, but we'll, you know, we'll, we'll pay some bills, and we got a little bit of money. We'll, we'll come back and uh, talk more racing when we come back from this break. This is the Inside Pass on WSSE. Back in a minute. How to be a great dad in 15 seconds. 
bike ride, go fish, walk in the park, phone call, milkshake, play catch, picnic, fly a kite, tell jokes, laugh, talk, read a story, tell a story, bumper car, swing set, bowling, pillow fight, cut loose, stay tight. Because the smallest moments can have the biggest impact on a child's life. Take time to be a dad today. Call 877-4DAD-411 or visit fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. Automotive technicians and auto service trainees, how would you like to work at the beach and perform for one of the best car care centers in the nation? Lewis Meineke is now looking for skilled automotive technicians to join their award-winning team. If you're a gearhead that knows his or her stuff or a young up-and-comer that has the motivation and drive to succeed, then you need to make this call today, 302-827-2054. Lewis Meineke Car Care Center, located in beautiful Lewis, Delaware, offers a highly competitive compensation plan, great benefits, a flexible schedule, and did we mention that you're going to be working at the beach? Plus, there's a signing bonus for the right candidates. Technicians must be ASE certified and have a minimum of six years' experience. Beginners advance at your own pace in one of several entry-level positions. But whatever you do, don't wait. These jobs will go fast. Call Tim at 302-827-2054. That's 302-827-2054. Lewis Meineke Car Care Center. Rev up your career. You hear that? That's the sound of America's only sports car. That's right. It's a Corvette. But not just any Corvette. It's your Corvette. It's that who cares if there's traffic part of your day. And this can be you when you come to Cooper Corvettes. With 60 years of Corvettes to choose from, there's always a Corvette in your budget. And they'll service any Corvette you bring in. Cooper Corvettes. On Route 1 just north of Quantico and Triangle. Call, click, or visit coopercorvettes.com. He wanted to be known for doing his best. Shoot right. His best made him Major League Baseball's most valuable player. Strike two. He played in six World Series and was elected to the Hall of Fame. Oh. Although an honest man, he was best at stealing holes. But the best quality of Jackie Robinson's life was his character. So here's to you, Mr. Robinson. Thanks for passing it on from the Foundation for a Better Life at values.com. When Marlon Shirley was five years old, he was in an accident and lost his foot, but he didn't lose his heart. When you tackle a challenge that you just cannot even fathom tackling, when you accomplish that, the amount of integrity and the will and the heart that you'll get from that experience is what will set you up for your life. In less time than it took Marlon Shirley to say that, he can now run 100 meters because today he's the world's fastest amputee. Overcome, pass it on from the Foundation for a Better Life at values.com. Hi, my name's Eric Jones, and you're looking for the inside pass. <laughs> Can he get a buzzer? <laughs> I mean, look, so you weren't here last week when he almost set the place on fire or whatever he was doing what? over there. He I, he dropped his laptop thing, that the, yeah. you know, the cordial oh, thing, the po- yeah. and it made this awful noise we were coming back from break. Now he just... Peter's Randy's our, throwing his phone. Peter's our bowl in the china shop. <laughs> yeah. Co-host. Oh, goodness. Anyway. Maybe Nick's not so bad after all. <laughs> Welcome back. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to the Inside Pass. Randy Miller, Tom Baker, Peter Strada, Noah Lewis, and uh, Chris Murdoch uh, behind the boards. Uh, punch of buttons. We've got uh, a couple more questions of this round, and then we're going to do a fill in the break. 
fill in the, fill in the brink. There we fill, go. Oh, fill in the bank, brank, blank, whatever. We're filling in a bank now. Going I'm, to the I'm bank. Mis- I'm misconfused. All right. Let's go. Uh, wow. Roush Fenway <laughs> becomes the first team to be carbon neutral. Why is that a big deal? I mean, I think we've seen how much NASCAR puts forth to being green. We see the solar farm outside of Pocono Raceway. We see just all the TV commercials and ad initiatives toward NASCAR being green by recycling oil or recycling fuel, recycling whatever parts. And to see a race team be carbon neutral is a big step forward into the new millen- into the new millennium and into the new excuse me, not the millennium, the decade. <laughs> and with the new car coming and possibly having electric components in the motor of the next gen car it's cool to see a team that's carbon neutral but i will say that with the caveat of i wanted to see a better paint scheme on the six car this weekend just having a plain white race car just drove me crazy i went i was looking forward to his bill nye the science guy-esque answer but then that and now i take my question it was a very bill nye science-esque <laughs> answer is really what it was just living in a different millennium <laughs> it's, it's important because it it is a demonstration that nascar and automobile racing can in fact achieve that goal you know considering the politics and what all of the climatologists put out about you know gas powered engines and all of this um you know i think to achieve that goal it it shows it can be done and i think it's very important from not only a political standpoint for nascar um, but also just from a factual standpoint that this can happen in, in, a, in a stock car racing environment. Yeah, I mean, it's not, I don't think it's going to be a big deal right now, but give it, you know, three, four, five years down the road when all the other teams start doing it, and I think you'll start to really see how much sense this really makes. And the whole thing, you know, Peter was talking about the paint scheme. It makes sense. It's white with gray. It makes perfect sense in terms of carbon, you know, fiber footprints and things like that. Because I'm sure color and graphics and stuff, you know, play a role. Well, but it too, also but isn't a permanent. But thing it's, I know. But it, I I think it was it's a just cool, a, I think it's a cool scheme. That, I, yeah. I, I'm not a fan of white, but white and gray actually look cool. Yeah, I mean, it's cool to be in an innovation or or some at the forefront of something that is is bound to come down the line. So I think that's cool for Rush Fenway to to kind of and, and their sponsor to throw out that. Um, that kind of bone that, hey, this is where we're headed. Um, and, yeah, I mean, if, if, if that's where we're headed, then it's good that, um, that NASCAR showing that they're going to be in for the ride. Uh, Netflix has a new show about NASCAR called The Crew. Does a comedy sit or a sitcom, I guess, negatively impact the show, positively impact the show, or have zero effect on drawing new fans? Peter, we got into this over the break. We did get into this over the break, so I'll be quick. I think it'll draw a few fans into the sport. I don't want to put a number on it. I don't want to quantify it, but I've watched a couple episodes, (laughs) and I've been entertained. I've laughed a couple times. I've cringed a couple times, too, being a media member in the sport. But, I mean, it's satire on the sport, a lot like Talladega Nights was all those years ago. I think it's way worse. (laughs) You see, I actually like Talladega Nights, so I I guess I'm the— Lone wolf here. No, I like it too. I did too. All right, good. I'm glad some of y'all do as well. But I watched two episodes of the crew so far, and yeah, I'd like to continue watching it just to see where it goes. And I mean, I like it so far. You know, look, if I evaluate it just as a sitcom without, I mean, if I take myself Mm. out of being a Mm -hmm. race fan and just evaluate it as a sitcom, it's silly. And in that sense, maybe it's okay if that's what you're looking for. But when it, I think the problem is, is, is from a racing standpoint, um, 
I don't think it necessarily is going to not draw new fans, but I do think it creates a really bad impression and it isn't even well done. I mean, you know, you've got drivers in cars with no Hans and no, you know, you're at three different racetracks and what <laughs> it's like, you know, that I think, I don't know that there's a lot of accuracy here. I just, the satire stuff, first of all, I, I mean, the Talladega Nights was an embarrassment to the sport that set it back 50 years, but I, I just think this is even worse in a way because there's just no pretense on accuracy here at all. Well, Netflix needs to do better. I don't think any of us like Talladega Nights for this for its depiction of NASCAR. It's just a funny movie. Like, there's See, no, I, didn't la- I laughed. The first time I laughed was when, when the movie was over and they were showing the bloopers. It still makes me laugh. Those were hilarious. Time. I just yeah. thought the I, I, I think if you're, it, it's going to draw new fans, yes, but I think it's going to depend on what kind of fan you want to draw. Are you wanting to draw the casual fan that just looks at it and goes, mm. eh, this is not so bad? Or do you want to draw the diehard NASCAR fan? Because that's not going to draw you a diehard NASCAR fan, especially if these guys are going to tune in and they're not. They're going to expect to see three different tracks at one time and you're racing on one track. And <laughs> exactly. they're like, wait, what is going on here? So I, I, I don't know. I, yes, I think it's going to garner some interest, but it's just a matter of is it going to be good publicity or bad publicity in the end. Yeah, that's exactly right. Like Tom said, um, when you when you think about it, if you like a sitcom, I, I'm a guy for a sitcom. I'm all right with uh, sitcoms. When you look at it as just that, maybe you like it. Uh, as someone that's so... You know, as us and, and fans, hardcore fans of, of motorsports that, that know the sport and see things that are just kind of irritating, it, it's it's a little rough when that's your target audience. Because I think that's their target audience is with how much NASCAR is promoting, how much they're promoting it in our sport. Um, it's going to be rough for those fans to sit back and watch it and enjoy it. Um, like I said, I or like Peter said, we were about two episodes into it. And and, um, and I'm going to watch it all the way through, but there have been some... some uh, iffy moments where I'm like, oh gosh, you know. But there's some funny driver cameos in it too, so watch. We have to do our fantasy picks. So Go pick for the, it. Well, I was going to say pick the one question and oh. we'll just do it real quick. Uh, Homestead this weekend will be blank. Yeah. Quickly, Peter. Electric. I think it'll be great racing on a somewhat normal track and I think we will see another upset winner. I'm I'm going on the basis of a wish here. Homestead this weekend will be dry. Uh, that's right. <laughs> yes. That's what I'm hoping for. Anyway, it, it'll be a, it should be some great racing too. Yeah, I think Homestead this weekend is, is going to be fantastic. If it lives up to the first two races of the year, I think we're going to see a lot of excitement, and I'm looking forward to it. I'm kind of hoping it feels a little bit normal. I don't know. We've gone off of two races that have just been cuckoo crazy, and and uh, it, it will feel a little bit nice to go and see some uh, some some normalcy. It's the Florida Cup Series. Um, all right, so uh, uh, fantasy NASCAR picks. Uh, there's no there's no trucks this weekend. Just Xfinity and uh, and Cup. So uh, trucks get the weekend off. So we only have to pick two classes, or I guess two series this weekend. So uh, uh, Peter, since we're just going the order that we normally go in. What's your pick for Xfinity and then Cup? Uh, for Xfinity, I'll go Noah Gragson. Uh, they had a doubleheader at Homestead last year, and Gragson was up front contending in both those races, but lost in, on late restarts. I think this is his retribution weekend, and for Cup. I'll go out on short limb and say Kyle Larson. Slight upset in Xfinity, Riley Herbst, and in the Cup Series, who'd you pick? Larson. Oh, okay. I, I, <laughs> okay, never mind. Um, in, in the Cup Series, I, I think you've got to go with a Gibbs car again, and I think I'm going to go with Kyle Busch. All right. No. Uh, Xfinity, I'm going to go Austin Sendrick. And on the cup side of things, uh, he, Tom took Kyle Busch. Uh, you can pick Kyle if you want. No, I don't want to pick Kyle. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'll go with Denny I, Hamlin. Denny uh, Hamlin. All right, so uh, for me, I'm going to go Justin Allgaier because uh, I think Junior Motorsports is going to gonna pull it out. And then for Cup, 
I'm going to go with Hamlin, too, because he won Homestead last year. Um, won. Or I guess yeah, he won the Homestead last year, so I'll go with him. Um, so I'll get uh, the other uh, the other four people involved in this mess. Uh, their picks uh, sometime point in time during the week. I'm sure Jacob and Seth will pick theirs on Thursday. So if you're going to watch Madness, then uh, watch that show as well. Lee Lamp is coming up next, and uh, so Tom will stick around. And I don't know if these boys are going to stick around, but uh, I'm going to get out of here. I will see you guys next week. Our 200th show with Matt DiBenedetto. Have a great week, everybody. Enjoy Homestead. See you next week on the Inside Pass.